Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Today, I want to begin in John chapter 4, and I want to uh, take a moment, those of you that are online, get your Bible, get it ready, go ahead and share this. Would you hit it and share? Again, chat with us, comment. We want to make this happen. Those of us here, I, I want to share a word with you today. I've been studying, preparing, you know, this series called Power to Be. But during this week, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, gave me some direction on a couple of things. And I want to tell you, this is, uh, what I want to share is a word for today. Somebody say today. We need to know what is God saying about right now. Now, I'm thankful for His Word. I, I, I teach it, I study it, I pray over it, I share it. But, you know, we need to make sure we understand the Bible is a living word. A living word. The Bible is not just a dusty old book with historical facts and artifacts. It's not just something of promises in the sweet by and by. The Bible is relevant to this very moment in your life. How many heard what I just said? The Bible is relevant. In fact, it's so relevant, it's already talking about tomorrow before you get there. It's not history. It's relevancy. And I want you to get that. What I want to share with you today, I'm going to go into John chapter 4. I want to take you through an account that is a mirror image of where we are today in our culture. I want you to see how Jesus encountered what you're encountering today. That he had a response to culture, church, listen to me, real church, Jesus' church. People that have relationship and not just religion are not out of touch, listen to me, with society. We're right on time with what's happening today. We have a right now response. I'm going to show you what the response is, but first, let's make sure we're connecting to the moment. Everybody with me? I want to see what we're doing here. In fact, I want you to just give me a good amen. Make sure you're here today. Okay, I don't want you to have a fireworks, uh, you know, hangover. I want you, I know you wouldn't have the other kind, but you, you, you're just ready to give me an amen today. Amen. Let me hear you. Want to, there you go. Thank you. I've got my amen section up here closed. All right. So let's, let's look at this. We're, we're going to read an account in John 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 4. Uh, let's look at this. It's interesting to me. Here's one sentence that's a verse. Look at this with me. John 4, 4. Now, he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Interesting statement. On the face of that, we just go on. But here's, here's what we're seeing. Uh, Jesus has been ministering in Judea. He's returning to Galilee. If you look at a map of that day, there were many ways to go from Judea back to Galilee, all right? But the Bible says he had to go through Samaria to get to the next place. What I want you to understand with me today is there was a divine appointment God had planned, okay? This wasn't had to because it's the only way. Then evidently it's a had to because God had an appointment with someone. Now, we're about to see that he meets a woman there. We're, we're going to see several things that are critical. But I want you to get this, is that God is always the God of one person. He's the God of one. He, he said there were, there were 100 sheep, and he left 99 to go find the one. Are you, are you with me? He's going to go out of his way to meet one person at a well. Here's what you and I need to understand about God. If, if you don't get this, you're going to miss something very important. There are three qualities that only God possesses. Satan doesn't have them. Angels don't have these qualities. No human being have them. There are three characteristics or qualities that only God has. 
Number one, he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present at all times. Everywhere at all times. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything there is to know. And he is omnipotent. He has all power. So that's our God. And I want you to get this. The God of one. I want you to say the God of one. The God of one. The, this, so what does it mean that he is um, that he is omnipresent? He is everywhere at once. Many of us look at that and say, wow, God's so big that there's enough of him to go around that out of seven and a half billion people on this planet, there's enough of him that every one of us gets a piece of God. And you know, that's pretty encouraging on his, on his face, isn't it? That's pretty cool. He's so big and everywhere that each of us gets our part of God. But that's not what that means. It doesn't mean when he's omnipresent that there's enough of him to go around and we all get our share. No, the omnipresence of God means this. Listen to me. It means that you get every bit of him all the time as if you were the only person on this planet. Now, that's amazing. That means God is so God that for every single one of us, we get every bit of him all the time. Now, that's the God we serve. So this amazing God is going to walk into a place. Now, I want you to get this. Listen to me. Where was Samaria, and why is this unique to where we are today? Because it was a place of conflict. It was a place of prejudice, both religiously and racially. Samaria, or Samaritans, were people that were the offspring, the children of Jews and Gentiles, intermingling, marrying. It was forbidden in that day, but it had been done. Samaritans were looked down upon as an inferior race. Samaritans were looked down upon as as an inferior religion. It was a time when women were, were considered so low in society that they were like property a man owned, like his livestock. They weren't even treated on an equal human level. So in that setting, I want you to get this, where there's racial oppression, where there's religious oppression, where there's gender oppression, the Bible said Jesus had a divine appointment. Now, I want you to understand that in this moment in culture, I want you to get me, church, it's an important time for us. It's a big moment for us. And we need to know how to respond, not naturally, but spiritually. How many are with me right now? There's a lot of talk and conversation. And we need to be communicating with each other. And we need to be listening to each other. But I'm telling you, I think we understand we have a problem. I think we understand there are some issues. Is everybody with me right now? But what we're not getting enough are the answers to the problems. The solution to our issues. The connection with our God. That's what I'm trying to share with us today, okay? So that's the setting. It is a mirror image of where we are today. So verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, who became Israel, had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was... Okay. From the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now watch this. Why did he have to go there? Why did he go out of his way? 
Why did he cross racial barriers, religious barriers, gender barriers? Because he had an appointment with this one. There's something we're about to learn from this. Now, following verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Church family, listen to me. God always is the one who's pursuing. He engaged her. He asked the first question, are you listening to me? You don't have to go find God. God is looking after you right now. Somebody say amen to that. God's not running from you. God's setting appointments up for you. God is, I has, God's eye is on you. So he engages the woman in a conversation. He says, lady, would you give me a drink? She's come to draw water from the well. Okay. His disciples had gone in town to buy food. Now watch this because this is the time. This is her mindset. This is what happened, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. She was shocked. Look at the rest of this. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That phrase in in the Greek, the original text the Bible was written in, uh, you know what it literally says? You Jews don't use our dishes. In other words, you won't even touch something I've touched. You won't even drink out of a cup I touched. You won't eat out of a plate that I washed. You may be thirsty, but typically because I'm a Samaritan and I touch this, you won't even associate or touch my dishes. So what did she say? She was shocked. Come on, listen, are you with me? She said, well, who who are you? You jumped over all the barriers. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. I'm a woman. You're a man. You don't talk to people like me. I don't matter to people like you. She says, Who are you? What are you doing in this place? Is somebody with me right now? Verse 10, Jesus answered, watch this. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him or me, and he would have given you living water. I want to watch. I want you to see something. Here's the dilemma we have right now. This woman can only respond to him naturally, humanly. But he's coming at her from a spiritual point of view. Are you with me? He, he has spiritual answers, but she's limited to human or natural understanding. Watch this give and take, okay? Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. So he said, I got living water. So she looks and says, he doesn't even have a bucket. Sir, you don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? See, so first she's physically naturally. I don't know what you're talking about. And so what does she do? She falls back on her religion. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? She's physical. Watch Jesus. Here comes the spiritual. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, pointing to the well. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him. Someone say in him. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, they're, they're communicating on two different levels there. She doesn't understand yet, but he's being patient with her. He's speaking to her. Come on. Now look at this. So the woman responds to him. He gives her spiritual truth. How does she respond? The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She missed it. She said, whoa, you mean there's some water I can take a drink of? I'll never have to be thirsty again? You mean you can give me a drink and I don't have to come back here to the well? Physical. Why he's being spiritual. Are you with me? You see this communication block that's here? So watch this. Are you ready? Now, 
I want to help you something. Well, let me read it first. So what does he tell her? You see this back and forth, physical, spiritual, physical, spiritual. So look at verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've been, you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you just said is quite true. Now watch this. Here's how religious people read that. Okay, you with me? Here's how people that are afraid to come to church right now read that. Here's how physical reads that. This is what they think Jesus did. Woman, you're shacked up right now. And you've blown five marriages. What's wrong with you? What kind of woman are you? Who do you think you are? That's what people think the church does. That's what people think Jesus does. That's not what he was doing. Are you with me? Hang on here. What happened? They had been trying to communicate him from a spiritual point of view, her from an earthly point of view. She was bound by religion. She was bound by racism and prejudice. She was bound by gender inequality. Every kind of superior and fear you can imagine, this woman was dealing with. Every kind of prejudice you can imagine, this woman is dealing with. And Jesus is right there in front of her. And she's struggling understanding this. And they just can't get it together. Are you with me? So you know what Jesus did? Now listen closely. You guys know me. There's no one you're going to meet who honors the word of God more than me. There's no one you're going to find that reads this Bible and believes it and studies it and and engages everything I say according to that more than I am. But in this moment, he didn't hit her with theology. In this moment, he didn't hit her with doctrine. In this moment, he did not hit her with religion. In the moment you and I are facing, are you listening to me right now, hearing at home, the challenge to our culture today is not going to be answered by our doctrine, our theology, or our religion. Are you with me right now? What did Jesus do when these two levels could not get on the same page? Do you know what he did? He reached into the power of the Holy Spirit. He grabbed what heaven has and brought the kingdom of God right here to the earth. He operated in one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge. And he said, ma'am, we're just not getting it. So let me tell you something. You're living with a man right now. And you've been married five times before this. And that lady was stunned because now, do you understand, there was a demonstration of the power of God. It was not an earthly exchange. It was not a religious debate. It was not a doctrinal dissertation. It was an encounter with the spirit of the living God. And the lady had never seen that before. So what did she say? Look look, look with me uh, at verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. You think so, lady? You think just maybe something just happened that wasn't in a book somewhere? You think something just happened to you that was bigger than religion, greater than racism, bigger than prejudice, higher than inferiority and superiority? Do you think you just encountered the one thing that ripped through all your limitations and made you see, wow, something else is going on here? Church, are you with me right now? Do you understand that this culture moment 
crisis that we're in is not going to be won by arguing and debating and finger pointing and, and back and forth. It will have to be arrested in its tracks by an encounter with the Spirit of the living God. That alone is where we are. But watch her struggle. Watch her struggle. Come on. Hey, she said, she says, sir, I, I, I can see you're a prophet. But look, she's still struggling. Look at verse 20. She said, she goes right back to religion. <laughs> right back to religion. She's trying to understand this. She goes, okay, okay. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. <laughs> but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She said, I know something's going on. But she goes right back to her fell safe, you know, to, to, to her. Let's, let's talk religion here. See? Now watch what happens. Verse 21, Jesus said, believe me, woman. Wasn't insulting when he said that. Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father. How? Neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He said, you're a Samaritan and I'm a Jew. And you worship here and the Jews worship in Jerusalem. But he said, listen to me, church. He said, there's a time coming when mountains and places and addresses are not what matter to God. Everybody with me right now? He said, that day's coming. And, 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 and I, want you to, I want you to get this, see? <laughs> Verse 22, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. What does that mean? Well, it was through the prophets and the laws. And, the, and, 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 and Jesus Christ himself came to us through God's chosen people. But he doesn't stop there. Keep watching. Look at verse 23. Yet a time is coming. You got your Bible out, your device open, you're reading this. A time is coming and has what? When? when? Now come. 2,000 years ago. Say, I'm in my now. This is my now. We're in that time. What did he say? Uh, yet a time is now come. Look at this. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Did you get that? He says, when we stop coming to God on the basis of religion and dogma and ritual, when we stop trying to uh, make God fit our mold, and we worship him in spirit and truth, he says, God is looking for that kind of person. You want to focus the attention of God on your life, you start to worship him in spirit and truth. You want heaven's attention riveted on you in your prayers and your life and your journey. You begin to worship God. God seeks that person. God looks for that person. God's seeking for that person, all right? So verse 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Verse 26 or 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. <laughs> she still couldn't get today. Somebody say today. She couldn't understand God in the now. You know what religion says? God used to be, and God's someday going to be. But you know, I'm not living in yesterday, and I haven't got to tomorrow yet, and I need a God that'll walk with me right now. Anybody with me? I need a God that'll step in the mud and the mire and the muck of where I am right now. I need that God. And what did Jesus look at the woman and said? Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. He said, I'm here right now. 
I have stepped into your life. She runs back in the city to tell everybody, I just met a man who told me everything I've ever done. you got to come. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. The Savior has come, and everybody runs out to meet him. Come on. Isn't that what we're praying for in this nation? Isn't that the solution in this nation? We're not going to get together on this issue, and we may not get together on this issue, but if we can give them enough of Jesus, if the Holy Spirit can break across racism and gender and and, and religion, and then I pray to God that what we see are the cities rushing out and saying, we've had enough religion, we've had enough racism, we've had enough gender inequality, we want to meet the God who brought heaven in this moment right now. They said, hey, look at this. I love this verse. Verse number 42. Look at it with me. And, 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 and I've, I've said it for you. I've, I've shown you this moment. But this is what God wants to do. Look at verse 42. They, they, they said to Jesus, uh, uh, or to the woman, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. You know, that's who we are. That's our assignment. That's what we're empowered to do. Is to bring Jesus in such a real and tangible way. In the face of religious discrimination. Racism. Prejudice. Gender inequality. That the power of God is so big it just cuts through it all. Come on. Don't you long to see that happen in our nation? Don't we believe that's really the answer on the bottom line? And for people who once were divided and bound and separated come to say, we believe now. We know for ourselves now. Jesus is the Savior of the world. So would, would, would you agree with me that that's an image of where we are in our culture today? That's where we are, and Jesus is the same yesterday. He's the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow. And the same Jesus that saw a broken, wounded, divided city rush to Jesus can do the same thing in our world today. Now, I want you to go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 with me, and I'll show you how we respond very quickly. I'm almost done. I've got to really condense this right now. Acts 2, 1. I want to show you how we respond. So can that happen today? I want you to say, yes, it can. Go say it. Yes, it can. And who is God going to use? To say, he's going to use me. Don't say we. Say me. He's going to use me. He's going to use me. Can that happen again? Absolutely. It's how God works. It's who God is. And so we go to Acts chapter 2, just one verse. There are three things I see. I'm going to just hit them and go, all right? Just hit them and go. Look at this. When the day of Pentecost, the day the church was birthed, this outpouring that revolutionized the world, this fire is still burning today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together and they were in one place. Okay, what? Come on, Pastor. What does that mean? Three things quickly. The King James translation, trying to interpret the original language, says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, the day of Pentecost, let me help you for a minute, was a feast. It was a feast that they observed every year since God gave Moses the law over a thousand years before this. There had been over a thousand day of Pentecost. Are you with me? There had been over a thousand feasts of Pentecost. 
They had gathered in Jerusalem a thousand times before this. But on this one, it said it had fully come. It had fully come. There was a fullness about this moment that had not been there before. Are you with me? I want you to understand the first thing for you and I to do what Jesus did to Samaria right here in North Alabama or wherever you're living or connected with us now. The first thing you've got to understand, I want you to say it with me. Say, it's the right time. It's the right time. We're not waiting on tomorrow. We're not waiting on someday. I want you to say it again. Say it's the right time. See, he said there's something unique about this. In the fullness of time, there had been many feasts of Pentecost, but this one was unique. I want to help you understand that it was prophetic. It was the birthday of the church. What happened in that upper room? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The disciples speaking in tongues and being full of the Holy Spirit and going out and preaching the gospel. That wasn't random. It wasn't a coincidence. It was the ordained plan of God. I want to help you see something here. I want you to watch this. Do you realize that when God told Moses the very first time, I want these seven feasts to happen. You got to get this. And I want one to be the Feast of Pentecost, the fourth one of the year. One of the three where all the men come. The first time, listen to me, the first time God said, you're going to have a feast of Pentecost. He already saw this one when he made that statement. He already had in mind what would happen on this one. And so why was that day full? Listen, for something to be full, it has to be being filled. Did you get that? For something to be full, it had to be being filled. This day was not separated from the others. This day was not a random happening when God said, there's going to be a feast that you observe. He knew that on this one, he was going to pour the Holy Spirit out. That there was going to be something that hadn't happened before. Can I give you some good news? Don't we love, we love to sing that song, Waymaker, right now, don't we? And what does it say? Even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Do you know right now, those people that gathered for that feast had no idea in the mind of God He'd been setting it up for over a thousand years. Do you know right now God's working in your life even when you can't see God working in your life? Do you know right now God is working when you don't even feel God working? But it's what? It's the right time for us right now. It's the right time. You know, I don't have time to really go through this long, but I'm having to almost relearn some of the English language. Everybody's changing so much. There's a phrase now. People said, you know, Pastor, I'm in my fields right now. I'm in my fields. Oh, is that your shoes, your pants? What do you mean you're in your fields? What, is that the name of my pants? Fields, pants? What do you mean I'm in my fields? And everybody's, so, so you know, pe- people in their fields, that means I'm acting the way I'm acting because my fields, my feeling. You know, it's kind of like, you, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worship today because I'm in my fields. Oh, so your fields are greater than your worship? I, I can't worship because I'm in my fields. I'm depressed today. They kept me up last night with the firecrackers. <laughs> Point Mallard didn't have Spirit of America Festival. I didn't even get a hot dog or a hamburger grill. I just woke up this morning in my fields. Dear God, if you're in them, you can get out of them, can't you? 
you know what? If I, I choose today not to be in my feels. I choose to be in my faith today. I'm in my faith today. I don't need goosebumps to know the Word of God is true. Anybody with me? I don't need to feel to know He's still on the throne. I don't need to feel that my God is faithful to what He said. I don't have to feel it to know that if God promised it, it's going to happen. Anybody with me? I don't have to feel it to know greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. You don't have to give me an emotion for me to know that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I don't have to feel it to know there's no temptation taking me but such as common a man. He'll not let me be tempted above what I'm able but will with the temptation provide the way out for me. Come on, I don't have to feel it to know it. I don't have to see it to believe it. I know that God has been working. Listen to me. He brought us in the kingdom. He put us in North Alabama. We're having some crisis in America, but the time is right for the Samaritan woman to meet the Jesus of 2020 and for America to come running out of the places of religion and racism and bow before Jesus and say, you are the Savior of the world and you and I have been appointed for this moment. Somebody say, it's the right time. It's the right time. It's the right time. So we're going to present Jesus. We've got to understand it's the right time. We have to understand that we read here in this one sentence. They were in the right, in the fullness of time, right where they're supposed to be. I'm not afraid of this moment. Don't be afraid of this moment. Don't be afraid of it. We're, we're doing all the coronavirus stuff we're supposed to do. Come on, we're, we're doing it all. We're, we're wearing a mask. And when you come in here, you have no idea what we did get ready for you today. We started early. We got a health station. All the volunteers at work got temperature tested. Me too, including me. They tell my temperature. Mine was 97.1 today. All right? I'm just, I'm just kind of, you know, my faith kind of cools my temperature. I, I kind of run 97. That's kind of where I am. I don't, I'm good at 97. If I'm 98, it's hot. So I'm running 97. I'm at my temperature. I'm 97.1. Okay. I wrote it down. Signed my sheet. You've been out of the country? No. You've been here? No. You've been here. Came in. We did that for everybody. Put on a mask, all the volunteers. We disinfected everything. We even came and sprayed in here after the first service. You're safer in here than any place else you've been this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is safer than Walmart. This is safer than anywhere else you've been, Lowe's. I don't want to be an equal opportunity person here, all right? So it's good. It's good in this place. Good in this place. These ladies here help us do this. Come on, thank the ladies in our recovery ministry. Thank you, ladies. You're a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But here's what I, here's what I want you to see. We're here, and this is important. We're coming in this place. We're worshiping. We're coming together. But, but, but the, the point I'm wanting you to understand is, see, when we look at this verse, we're in the right time. We're, it's the right time for us. We're, we're here in this moment that God's creating for us. It, there, there's virus and all this going on. But I want to tell you something. We're not afraid of the virus. Why? Because we're right here in the right place at the right time. We're doing what God called us to do. He knew you could take it right now. He knew that he could use you in this moment. He knew that your faith was going to stand strong. He knew that you're going to be part of the answer, not part of the problem. Come on, how many listening to me right now? So the first thing for you and I to present Jesus to, to, to respond like the Samaritan revival is that we know that it's time. We, it's time. The second thing in, 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 uh, that, that we want to see here, and I want to go ahead and bring the worship team. Come on, Jeremy, everybody come on up. I'm going to finish rapid fast. Is that... They had, they only, not only had the right time, they had the right attitude. 
Do you know if you can get your attitude right, the rest of your life is going to line up? You know that Philippians chapter 2, read it, NIV translation, says we're supposed to have the same attitude Jesus had. Wow. Did you know that? Anybody ever told you you need to get an attitude? Well, you do, the one Jesus had. All right? This word attitude, I love it. It's a compound word in the original language. Watch this. It says to rush along in unison. To rush along in unison. It's almost a musical term. Watch this. It's like, you know how there are different notes that make a musical score? But when you put them together, there's a harmony. You can't have harmony without different notes. If everybody sings the same note, it's called unison. But when you sing harmony, oh, that's pretty. Jeremy, Jeremy, listen to this. Turn, turn the keyboard up. I, I was thinking about this. What color are the keys on the keyboard? What are they? Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? They're black and white. Keys on the keyboard. Because this right attitude is like rushing along. See, it's an action word. Christians, the church, we're not sitting around. You hear me? We're rushing along. Are you with me? We're rushing along, but we're doing it in use. Hey, Jeremy, play the, just play some of the white keys. Just play white keys. Let me hear it. That's all right. Because it kind of sounds like some mission. All right, just, just play a chord of the black keys. Play the black keys. Just, okay. So they're each okay. Are you with me? Now, play them together in a chord. Listen to this. Play them together. Yeah, I like that better. Come on. Listen to that. See, see here's what happens. When, when, when you and I begin to get the right attitude, we start playing together. Are you with me? We stop saying, this is that and that is this. And we quit worrying about it. Isn't it silly? You don't say, well, what's better, the black key or the white key? What sounds better, the black key or the white key? Well, why can't the white key be a black key? Why can't the black key be a white key? Because they're designed to be different. And together, it's better. When are we going to get there? What's superior, the black key or the white key? They're both equal. And when you play them together, oh, it's nice. It sounds better. Right attitude. You know, the Holy Spirit can't move until we get in the right attitude. How many heard what I just said? It's one thing to know it's my time. Better, better get the right mind at the right time. And then the third thing, not only was it the right time, right time, and the right attitude, it says, but they were in one place. Do you know place matters? Place matters. They didn't, he didn't pour the Holy Spirit out all over Jerusalem today. He poured it out right there. Do you know that, watch this, and we're going to, go ahead and stand with me. I didn't say leave, just stand, stand, don't leave, stand. Stand up at home, come on. Grab this moment, honor this moment. Come on, listen to me. God, God wants to release a revival, a Samaritan revival in the United States of America, in North Alabama. We've got to understand God can do it, so I need to understand it's my time. Say it's my time, it's my time. Come on, let's say it's our time, it's, it's our time. And I'm going to have the right attitude. I'm going to rush along in unison. We're going to play together. It's like an orchestra. Have you ever been to an orchestra, to a symphony, and you hear, and you know, the, the last few minutes before the symphony begins? Ever heard all those instruments just warming up on their own? You ever been there and heard that? Just, just, it just sounds kind of crazy. You're like, boy, they need some help. You ever been there? See if you... You know, I grew up in Arkansas, so I, you know, I didn't get the finer thing. So when I went to the symphony, the last few minutes before it started, I thought, this is not going to go well. 
I mean, I didn't know. I just said, man, this is not going well. And you know what happened? Then this one guy walked up, and he raised his baton. As he began to do that, all that chaos came together. What beautiful. You know what we need? Somebody to walk in, name the Holy Spirit, raise our attention, and make us all become this thing. See, we need each other. Why do we fight what God designed? Why do we struggle? I had somebody say, I'm, I'm going to repent for being white or black or brown or yellow. Why? Why in the world are you going to repent for being who God made? Just let the Holy Spirit come and make this orchestra play. You with me? Right time, right attitude, right place. The Bible says, when you get together in his name, there he is in the midst of you. I told you what you did today is important. Walking in this room is important. It matters. It shifts. It changes. We're in the right place. I want us to sing one more time. You hear those beautiful chords he's playing behind me over there? Isn't that nice? That's black and white together. That's all the keyboard getting to do its thing and not us fighting which one we like. And then we're, we're here for God to do it. Right time, right attitude, right place. How many say I'm on board? I'm on board. Come on. Right time, right attitude, right place. We get to see Samaria happen again. We get to see the city rush out and say he's the savior of the world. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.